Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here. Welcome to the Common Sense Show, and we're glad you arrived. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time, and we have a lot of unenslaving to do, that's for sure. The first part of the program is brought to you by Noble Gold, and I'm telling you folks, the way the economy is going, uh, hyperinflation, can it be really far away? I don't think so. We're seeing record inflation now spanning four decades. I leave just a bare amount in the bank account to get me through a couple of months, and I've diversified. And I've done that courtesy of Noble Gold, where I went from just being an advertiser to also a customer. And I'd recommend you do the same thing. They're not pushy. They will give you options. They'll send you free material. Then you can judge for yourself. Do you want to you want to trust the banks in this volatile environment, or would you rather diversify, get through the storm, and come out the other side much better than you would have been? Let me give you a number to call: eight seven seven six four six five three four seven. That's eight seven seven six four six five three four seven. Our guest this morning is Michael Letts, and is a very very volatile environment. Uh, we've got uh, the uh, Rittenhouse scenario with the fake racial narrative being created. He's a white supremacist, despite all the fact all the participants were white. And uh, we've got the Arbery situation, and we're going to draw comparisons between the two cases. And then, of course, we've got the breaking story from Wisconsin, also uh, from uh, Waukesha, involving three black suspects at this time of the recording. One is in custody, two are on the large. People are being advised to shelter in place. And uh, we have suspicions about all of this. It's not quite as pure as it's being presented, and there's a narrative being created. Michael, welcome to the show, and uh, glad you could join us. And I know you have a law enforcement background. T tell us a little bit about your background here, because I think you're bringing expertise to the, to the discussion the audience needs to know about. Well, I've been in law enforcement for over 30 years. 32 years, and a firefighter as well during that time, and EMS. Um, and I'm also a chaplain for him. And I'll, I'll tell you what's so important about the chaplaincy program is that um, as time has progressed, of course, we all know that first responders are the most stressful job anywhere in the country. But as time has progressed, it has just gotten progressively worse on the emotional state of our first responders. And so <laughs> I spend most of my time dealing with the uh, psychological aspects now. Yeah, I think you have to be because we are certainly in a propaganda war. In fact, that kind of leads me to my first question here about these events, particularly the Rittenhouse case. Why do you think BLM and Antifa would get involved in this and try to characterize it as a, uh, a white supremacist racial conflict, which it clearly was not? Well, I think it's part of their overall strategy. They started 15 years, 20 years ago, and that is to destroy America as the last bastion of hope and freedom. One of the things that impedes them from doing that is our first responders locally and statewide. They have to remove those of you to create a national police force. And they've been doing that for about the past 15 years. Of course, they started with the Obama administration, characterizing law enforcement as racist and as bad people to be feared. They had a little problem with that because the black officers didn't go along with it. So they went from there to not funding necessary equipment, which is why we created Invest, Protective Vest, Active Shooter Vest, were needed all across the country. And they created an emotional plea not to put any more money into law enforcement. When that yes. didn't work, then they decided to defund law enforcement and go the step further. 
then they decided to create policies and regulations which make it almost impossible to be able to do your job without automatically being assumed guilty of anything you do. And then, of course, they went to the uh, mandated vaccinations. And now, with all that having been said, it's made a huge impact. It's hurt our first responders. But we're not dead yet. And they're trying to go for the final blow, which is to get recycled back around and create this ethnic division that does not exist. And they use whatever narrative they can find, regardless of whether it's true or not, which is exactly what you pointed out in Kenosha. That was one white person on three white people. Nothing to do with uh, blacks at all. But because of the fact that the shooting had occurred during a Black Lives Matter rally, they're using that to rally their troops. And they're doing it in other cases as well. But just simple logic. If Rittenhouse was a white supremacist, he would have saved his bullets for the black people that were there at the BLM rally. I mean, the whole thing breaks down very quickly. In fact, obviously, even the jury didn't buy it, um, the, the white supremacist argument. Uh, it, and the media has just gone absolutely nuts with characterizing it this way. But I, I, I look at this, and I just cannot believe that the media and the left, George Soros and them all, can actually think that the American people are going to buy this. Well, they're hoping the American people will react with emotion and not with logic and reasoning. And there is a segment that does that, but it's called the left socialist Marxists that react that way. They don't care about facts. They only want their objective. The vast majority of Americans believe in law and order and believe that facts matter. And I'm proud of the jurors in Kenosha because despite the threats, Despite the emotionalism that was portrayed, they chose to do what the Constitution requires. They looked at the facts and clearly found what their verdict should be. Well, they did do that. I, I know there were stories. I, I was hearing from uh, a DHS contact via federal marshals that two jurors were afraid to issue a, a decision because they were intimidated. Uh, they had become aware that their van had been followed by an MSNBC reporter, and they felt they and their families would be targeted. So that caused a three-day delay. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. I was aware of that, and you know, was very confident that at the end of the day they would prevail because it's just hard to, um, when everybody knows what the right thing is, even though you're fearful in the matter, we expect you to perform as you're sworn to do. And they did in this particular incident. But what I think is most tragic is that we have a terrorist organization, Black Lives Matter, allowed to operate freely in this country, whose sole purpose is to intimidate and to destroy the liberties that we hold dear. They're doing it to try to eliminate law enforcement. They did it the first go-around with the uh, riots. They got to the political leaders. They got to the governor. Had them order law enforcement to stand down. I tell people to look at this perspective from law enforcement. You know when you've been trained all your life to intervene, to protect, to defend, and you're ordered to stand and watch things burn instead, it's devastating to the morale. It's devastating to the department. They did it intentionally. They wanted to destroy what was left of law enforcement there and use that same methodology across the country. Fortunately, the American people are saying, we are on to you, we see what you're doing, and we're going to stand up and stand with our blue, thin blue line. And we're not going to let it happen in America anymore. We saw this this weekend. I was a little disappointed with Portland's response. They did shut the riots down. I think they were a little slow in moving, but at least they got the job done. 
and now we're taking a hard line stand. Of course, you saw what just happened last night, but they're trying their best to bait us into a civil war, to bait us into destroying our first responders, and we're going to beat them at their own game. Well, it even goes further than that. I mean, it's not just law enforcement and first responders. It's, it's also medical personnel. The doctors and nurses that were the heroes of the pandemic by taking risks for treating when we didn't know fully what we were dealing with was honored. And now because they have questions about the lack of efficacy of the vaccines uh, and they're saying, whoa, wait a minute, we're not sure we should be taking this. Now they're trying to clean out the medical ranks. They're trying to clean out a third of the military. Um, these are related events that I just wondered how, how you view what's happening in the military and, and with medical personnel it's all a master plan they have pulled out all the stuff this time there's no holds barred they ran a trial run shall we say and unfortunately the American people responded with fear and uh, they felt like this is the best way to capitalize to maintain full control. Once we have control, we've got to make sure we get the arms and armaments away from those who do not support us. And so we need to eliminate our first responders and bring in a national police force, which is what they're attempting to do now. Uh, U.S. Capitol has offices now being opened across the country. Constitutionally, they're only uh, permitted to protect the grounds of the U.S. Capitol and the congressmen and congressional members there. What business they have in Miami or any other place is beyond me other than to set a precedent to establish a national police force controlled by the party in power. Right. It's part of a national plan. What, what surprises me is why red state governors aren't expelling these Capitol policemen as they come into their state. I think that's the next step. And I think we're going to have to take that, which is what I've been encouraging listeners is the time of inactivity has expired. We have to all step up together, unify, and start demanding. Sometimes they don't know. We have to start providing them these solutions and demanding that they not just hear them, but they actually implement them. And that's a great solution. You're exactly right. All of our governors, whether they're blue or white or red, should be saying, this is our sovereign state, and you are not allowed to come in and determine what you're going to do from the federal government in our state. Well, Newsom would probably let him stay at his governor's mansion, and we're going to have we're <laughs> yeah, going to have people like that. But but I, across the board, but you know, as we're finding out, we've got a lot of fake Republican governors too. I live in Arizona, we and do. our governor couldn't be any more of a rhino than than you would imagine. He helped uh, perpetuate the election fraud that happened in our state. Another story for another time. So not all red governors are going to do this, but I think enough would that they could break this. Have you um, looked at uh, Obama's secret police force? I believe it's called OFS. Oh, yeah. What, and what, what do you know he, about that? He, well, I know he started that. He used civilian uh, X to begin to, uh, X law enforcement, X military, it's just private security force. It has grown and has been utilized now. It's getting federal funds. And it's unconstitutional to do that. And quite frankly, I think it needs to be exposed and shut down. Well, I have exposed it in the past. It didn't seem to get any traction. Uh, the well, numbers. I think people are listening now. I think people are listening now. Yeah, I may have to revisit that. You're you're exactly right. That's actually it's kind of interesting. When I did expose this, that's when I started attracting the attention of federal law enforcement that were pro-constitutionalists, and uh, they re- right. some of them reached out to me and, you know, how'd you find this out? And we need to give you more information. And and I've had a lot of people come forward with this, but. To me, 
these thugs in the OFS are the kinds that will visit the political opponents in the middle of the night. We're already seeing evidence of that, and we're seeing how Biden is using his DOJ administration and Attorney General Garland to terrorize parents who are trying to do the right thing for their kids, to terrorize anyone who does not believe in a leftist Marxist socialist philosophy. And quite frankly, there's uh, it has to stop. It's a violation of our constitutional rights. It's not what this country was founded on, and it's time we, the American people, as only we can do, stand and say enough is enough. It's time to cease and desist this kind of behavior, restore law and order. We'll hold you accountable. We have to have accountability. Well, that's true, and and uh, you're right. The worm is turning, and uh, honestly, in my conspiratorial quiet moments, and I'm not being so quiet about, I see this event in Waukesha as a distraction from the worm turning, that they are trying to promote this racial conflict. You know, the three suspects are all black. I'm sure you know this, and one was one's in custody, and they mowed down all white people, and then this fellow came on Twitter and said, poor white people, and you already see the racial narrative being created. It is. That's exactly what they want. They didn't get it to Kenosha. They're trying again, and this is not going to be the last time. But we have to demand that organizations that are promoting this, like Black Lives Matter and those funding it, George Soros, have to be brought to accountability. The people that he has funded in office, the uh, liberal prosecutors, who are no longer prosecuting crimes but using their office to intimidate those who do not support leftist uh, philosophy need to be brought out, shown out, brought out of the closet, shall we say, and they need to be recalled. We, the American people, still have the majority, and if we act together, unified, we will win. But there is no justice at the federal level. I mean, you, you don't have to go past Garland, the attorney general, to see that. I mean, he's protecting, I, I'm sure you know this too, I'll just put this on the table for your reaction, but I discovered pretty quickly after Garland came out and threatened to use the Patriot Act against school board protesters, whether they were violent or not, uh, then I looked at his, uh, his relatives. His daughter and son-in-law control critical race theory to school boards, and they're making right. tens of millions of dollars on this. In fact, he just raided the home of Sharona Bishop in Grand Junction, Colorado, and she's credited with flipping nine school board elections in Colorado, and I guess they'd had enough, and they broke down her door, dragged her upstairs by, by her hoodie, handcuffed her, terrorized the 18-year-old, refused to show a warrant when they came in, and left obscure paperwork saying, we think you committed a computer crime, and they left. I mean, that's Garland. And seeing that, that that is terrorism that we never thought we'd see on this soil. It has to be exposed, which we're doing right now, but not just exposed. We have to demand accountability. If we can't find elected officials that will hold them accountable, then we're going to have to vote people out and put other people in. They're preparing us for a second revolution is what they're trying to do. We, the American people, will prevail if we'll stick together. I don't believe it has to come to a revolution. I believe that we can prevail by just standing up and exposing this and doing what's right. But we have to be prepared to protect liberty at all costs. I got uh, <laughs> taken to the woodshed recently for saying I thought we could handle this at least initially without without revolution and we shouldn't fall for their attempt to draw us into it. Um, now, I admit the picture is grim, but if a revolution were to start, 
how did, what would you see as like a provocative event typically and then what course would this event take i mean when we say civil war and there's actual shooting what would that look like in your mind well i think what they're attempting to do is they're attempting to rewrite history they're trying to do what we did in the civil war and they're trying to pit one race against another they're also trying to expand it by making economic as well class warfare Mm -hmm. the uh, lower class middle class against the upper class but quite frankly i think that the vast majority and i have a lot a lot of black friends see that they're being used as political pawns there's an element that are in their left pocket shall we say but the vast majority of them are beginning to wait as well and see that they're nothing but political pawns and i believe we can be a unified force and stop this cold in this track yeah unfortunately what, what has shocked me in this whole movement michael is the fact that there's so many officials from local government to state to federal that are under this spell i mean you know let me just give you an example here in arizona in my research i did in the election fraud and this isn't about election fraud but this is about who controls our politicians our governor's controlled by communist china he promised to in a large audience, he promised to send them rare earth minerals for their military. Uh, and he made his millions with his ice cream business in communist China. Our county sheriff here in Maricopa County that helped perpetrate the voter fraud, Paul Penzone, you know, overthrew Jorah Pyle, and he was funded $2 million to the by, by George Soros organizations. And that's been verified, too, by Sheriff Richard Mack. And our Secretary of State's George Soros funded... Uh, attorney general <laughs> and then we go down to the local level county clerk and recorders funded by george soros or communist china in some way that's that's our government here in fact i lectured at uh, yavapai county which is a county of about two hundred thousand people an hour and a half north of phoenix and their county clerk and recorder is in the same deal they're some of their board uh, their county board of commissioners so sorry for the long-winded description but i've been shocked and how thorough this communist takeover has been by these nefarious forces. Well, I think the key is what you just said. And I think America needs to understand this is not a hiccup. This has been well orchestrated and well planned for decades. It has now come to, coming to its culmination. We have one opportunity to stand, defend, and win, or we can be taken over and the last bastion of freedom will be gone. There's no other place to go other than America. She's worth fighting for. So when you say stand, can you give us an idea of, of what that would look sure. like? Sure. I'm, I'm glad to do that. We have to start where they are, 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 are working the hardest to destroy. And I'm using the first responders. Let me tell you, America, what we have to do. We are dependent on others. We think the thin blue line is there protect us we need to do nothing the thin red line that's not the case it's being destroyed rapidly it's collapsing it cannot stand on its own so we as americans need to first of all rally behind our first responders how do we do that do you even know who your first responders are in your area the worst morale we've ever had in history is occurring today find your first responders tell them you're with them you have their back why is this so important because our first responders know the government does not have their back they are seeing how they're being used as political pawns and being destroyed. They wonder if the American public has their back. We have the opportunity to prove that. Once we have reestablished and shorn up the thin blue line, 
We do the same thing with our military. We do the same thing with our medical profession. And then united together, we need to stand and say, you're no longer in control. You're no longer going to dictate to us the liberal leftist policies. It's time to vote you out and bring in a new administration. But, okay, here's the $64 million question. And I'll give, I'll give you Yavapai County as an example. It's one of the most conservative counties in the country, not just the state, but the country. Uh, they have all these political activist groups. They're very, very conservative. Yet their county clerk and recorder is George Soros-minded. Uh, their commissioner, board of, uh, county board of commissioners are. They're going to have Dominion voting machines and the same kind of balloting we had in 2020 that led to all the election fraud. How can we possibly hope to elect, unelect these people if they control the election process with these fraudulent practices? That's why we have to have election uh, integrity, which is what President Trump was saying is one of our key issues. And we have to be willing to do whatever it takes to make sure election integrity. And that is to force issues of voter ID, voter identification, force issues of accountability in those machines. We all know those machines are subject to being sabotaged and hacked. And so we have to just, I think the general public relies too much on listening to the media. Nobody wants to get actively involved themselves. I think they're beginning to realize those time days are over. If we don't get actively involved and know the facts and the truth, then we will be doing the same, repeating the same mistakes that we've made over the last 20 years. How do... When you encounter local law enforcement, do they share similar views to you? Or are you farther to the right than most? I mean, where do you fall in that paradigm? No, surprisingly, most law enforcement officers are very simple. They took an oath. They want to do what's right. They want to uphold the law and the Constitution. Quite frankly, a lot of them don't know the exact Constitution. That is a problem on our part. We have not done a good enough job educating you know, the socialists took over our education system 40, 50 years ago. Look what they teach in school now. They certainly don't teach their constitutional rights. So we have to educate them. We have to provide them the information, but they want to do the right thing. And I believe that. I believe the vast majority of law enforcement officers I have talked to, and I've talked to them all across the country, support upholding the Constitution, support freedom. They don't want to be put in a position to be used as political pawns to have to enforce unconstitutional mandates and ordinances, but they need someone to lead the way. They're waiting right now, and I think we, when I say someone, it's a a person, I think we, as a country, can lead the way by re-educating our first responders, our military, those that who need to be reminded of the heritage and the foundations, the principles of our country, and the freedoms and the reason why we have constitutional rights and what they are. And I think you'll see a wave begin to turn as it's already doing now. Yeah, but I think the wave of terror is going to try to repress that. Let me be specific. Oh, there's no question. I'm not going to give you names, and I'm not prepared to yet. But there's what you know, and there's what you can prove in the moment you know it. But what I know is we have politicians across the country who are owned by organizations like the cartels. I kid you not. And... There, there are people within these communities that bring me stories, and and um, I think these cartel members. In fact, I was actually told this by an ex DOJ guy yesterday. He advised me to be very careful and not go back to a community I just spoke to. He said they'll get you on a two lane road, they'll get you in rush hour traffic, they'll roll up on their motorcycles and blow you away while you're in your car. 
I'm hearing this from an ex-DOJ guy, and he's talking the cartels are the motivating force that will suppress uh, political activists against what's going on. Do, do you have the same intel, too? I mean, or, or do you see it a little I differently? Well, well, no, let me give you something that, that expanding what you said. Uh, I was just on the border with Texas handing out the stack of shooter vests because they're being shot at across the border, cartel members, with 50 caliber machine guns. You can see the tracers coming across. And they don't have active shooter vests that provide the protection. So we were on the border with six different sheriffs and their deputies and a number of municipalities handing out vests. Here was one of the things that was interesting that uh, one of the sheriff, uh, Martinez, told me. They have had an increase of 1,379% since last year of human trafficking, sex mm-hmm. trafficking, human trafficking. Right. So here's the point. Drug cartel, human trafficking cartel, these are billion trillion dollar industries. And they're going to do what they have to to protect their interests, buying off whatever politicians. And here's, you know, in the old days, what do you mean by buying off a politician? You didn't necessarily have to take the cash. You just allow them to run your campaign. Because it's amazing what you can do with money, how you can create public perception with good ad agencies. And that's what they've done. And we've not been smart enough or on top of it enough to see through it because we didn't have anything at risk. I think now the American public understands just how much we have at risk, and they're opening up their eyes more every day. And so you're right. They are the ones that we're going to have to be fighting against. Greed is a horrible thing. But, again, we cannot sit back and take this last opportunity and have to tell our grandchildren that we did nothing, and now we're living in oppression. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there are more of us than there are of them, but the problem, as I see it, is they control the critical power junctures. They do. But, you know, sometimes you have to play ball just as hard as they do. And I think that's what we're beginning to realize as a country. What, what do you mean by play ball as hard as they do? Well, their tactics have been very devious and have uh, been very persistent. And we have been allowed to be repelled by a little bit of opposition. I think we're beginning to realize we're going to have to be just as steadfast in handling our agenda as they have been in theirs. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's a good point. We're speaking with uh, Michael Letts. We're going to step away here for a brief message, and we're going to come back and talk about what he sees lies ahead. And we want to also talk about his organization, uh, Invest, which he just mentioned about passing out Bulletproof Vest. But we'll get to that in just a second. But I want to get to the subject of storable food, ladies and gentlemen. I sat down a couple days ago, and I thought about all the ways that I have told my audience that food troubles are here and more are on the way. And I'm not going to go through all 18, but we know about the tractor inflation. We know about the supply chain problems, the meat packing plants being closed down. Now they're closing down the pork plants. I could go on and on with this, but you have to ask yourself a question. When the food in your pantry runs out, what are you going to do? Are you going to expect the government to help you, the same government that left a thousand American citizens behind enemy lines in Afghanistan, or are you going to take matters into your own hands? Well, I hope you come to MPS, My Patriot Supply, and I'm going to tell you why, because we're one of the few that's left standing. So many of them have curtailed or cut back operations because they weren't prepared for what we're going through right now. And I can't say we're going to be in business forever either because of the supply chain problem, hyperinflation. When that hits, folks, we're done buying and prepping. And then you're at the mercy of the government. 
So I hope that you take this window of opportunity right now to get what you need. 25 year shelf life, the food tastes good, it's not organic, we don't claim it to be organic, but it's not harmful. And there's lots of diversity in the food, so you won't get sick of eating the same thing. And there's a great discount available that you'll see when you go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com. And I hope that you do this. Now, I always say this, too. If you don't get it from us, get it from somebody. But do not buy from grocery stores in bulk because your diet will be unbalanced. And therefore, in the long term, it'll be unhealthy. So I really recommend that you use a vendor. And I recommend that you start doing it today. If you have to quit your Netflix uh, subscription, I think that's a good idea because we are in desperate times. I always say food, water, guns, gold, ammo, natural medicine, and tools. That's only your first wave of protection. And we are so replete in that. The average American has three days in their pantry. You need to change that for your family. Preparewithdave.com. We're speaking with Michael Letts. And, Michael, you've got a really uh, interesting organization, and I think it's laudable. Invest USA, and you alluded to one of the purposes of that. You want to talk about your organization for a moment? Sure, I appreciate that, Dave. Let me tell you, we established this roughly almost 30 years ago, about the time that they began to have coordinated efforts against law enforcement. And here was what we had done. We didn't realize at the time that we first started Invest, 52% of officers across the country had no protection at all, no vest of any kind. We got to work and provided raising funds and provided concealable vests. To got that figure down to 28%. Of course, I tell people you have to realize when you're talking about 52%, 28%, so talk about 1.2 million sworn officers. So 28% is roughly three to 400,000 officers who had no vest at all. But then our criminal element got a little more sophisticated. And instead of using a concealable vest, just simply protects against a sidearm, a, a pistol. It will not stop a rifle. And so our criminal element got more sophisticated and began to use rifles, assault weapons, to have an all-out assault and attack on law enforcement. So we had to create new technology. It's called an active shooter vest that has steel or titanium plates in it, be able to stop any round that's out there. But unfortunately, with it having just been out for the last few years, we still roughly have 90% of officers across the country who do not have active shooter vests. We want to make sure they have a fighting chance. And what we're seeing from riots and looting and the direction this country is headed, our first responders are simply trying to hold back the tide of evil that's coming this way. We need to be standing behind them and help them make sure that they have the proper tools, equipment, not only to defend us, but also to defend themselves. And so we have been doing that for the last 20, 30 years. We've handed out thousands and thousands of vests across the country. We have thousands and thousands more that need to be handed out. But I always believe we take it one day at a time. We do the best we can for this day and then determine what holds for tomorrow. Is there anything that our audience can do if they're listening and say, yeah, I want to help protect my local police, we need them? Uh, is there anything they can do to help you? Sure. If they go to our website, that's investusa.org, I-N-V-E-S-T-U-S-A.org.org. They'll find a litter of things they can do. Let me give you a couple programs that are available on our, on our website. There's the Bless the Vest program. We're asking every house in worship to adopt an officer to make sure he has a vest that he needs. They're only six, $700. And to make sure that they provide the emotional and psychological support as well for that officer. Officer doesn't have to be a member of their church. Just simply offer that, and you'd be amazed at the response you'll get. Second thing I tell people is this. 
our next generation, within three years, you will dial 911 and there will not be anybody to answer your 911 call. We are losing officers that fast. We have to train the future generation. We are pushing charter public schools that are dedicated to training first responders all across the country. Get involved and make sure one of those schools goes into your neighborhood because they're needed. You're going to be able to have future first responders to answer the calls that we need. And then there's some other pennies for police programs. We're asking our young people, kids, bring your change to school and help buy the vest for their officers so that these kids have a vested, pardon the pun on the word, have a vested interest in their school resource office. All these are things that we can do to turn the tide, to restore law and order, and I'm encouraging people to help us do that. We can't do it alone. Yeah, I think that's really good. And that website, again, is uh, investusa.org. But I, I, I see the attrition from the police continuing in high numbers because who wants to subject themselves to abuse from the left and a public that takes them for granted? Well, I would agree. I can't imagine. You know, it, it, it's hard to argue that point. Why would anybody um, want to be in a profession that has the highest stress rate or the highest divorce rates lowest pay, ask you to make the ultimate sacrifice on a daily basis, if need be, no respect, your back's not covered by your employer or the government. I'm shocked that we still have as many left in the field as we do. It's because it's a calling. These folks, which is the same thing, I'll get back to the Rittenhauer case. His heart was to help people. That's why he was a junior firefighter. That's why he was a police explorer. Same principle with our first responders there. They don't do it for the fame. They don't do it for the fortune. They do it for the love of people. That's the kind of folks we need carrying us into the next generation, into the next future. And we need to be doing all we can to support America's true heroes. I agree. And the way you characterize Rittenhouse is accurate. Let me tell you the problem I have with it. And by the way, I'm in favor of the verdict, 100%. Um, I saw the evidence. There was no question the right verdict was delivered. But here's my issue, and I'm going to respond as a dad. I've raised someone who went through that age at 17. As a parent, my kid wouldn't have been there. That was the responsibility of law enforcement. That's the responsibility of the National Guard. And that's the responsibility of the adults in that society. It's not for a 17-year-old to be there. And that's my personal feeling. Well, we share the same personal opinion. I don't defend him being there from the standpoint he should have never it should have never happened the uh police should have never been ordered to stand down in fact i I jump on my guys when that happened when they were ordered to stand down they should have looked him in the eye and said look we took the oath of duty we're sworn to do it so we're going to do two things we're going to call whoever we need to call and expose what you're trying to tell us to do Second of all, we will not stand down. You want to fire us? Fire us now. But we will do what we've been ordered and sworn to do, and we're going to uphold the Constitution. And they should have shut down those riots immediately, and we would have never had this situation. No, I totally agree. I couldn't agree with you more. But let's talk about Phoenix here, uh, which I live north of in uh, the rural area. Um, Our police chief, Jerry Williams, uh, who happens to be a black female in a Democratic city, And the way that she handled the riots was not the way that Portland and Seattle did. She stopped it, and she stopped it with minimal force. The worst thing that we saw happen on TV was a protester who was antagonizing police got shot with a beanbag in his private parts. 
and that was probably the worst of worst. Yeah, it worked. It worked. But but here's the thing. Garland's thugs came to town and investigated her for civil rights violations against rioters, and the mayor suspended the chief for a day without pay. This is the kind of nonsense that the our police put up with. It is tragic. It's heartbreaking. And then we get back to the issue. We wonder why we don't have any law enforcement or first responders, why they're leaving so fast. And see what that does to you next time somebody's trying to rob you at gunpoint and you're trying to get somebody to respond and there's nobody there. It's going to be a very tragic situation. Yeah, amen to that. I, I, I can't even imagine without police. I was the victim once of a break-in. And it, coincidentally, I, I had had my car stolen and my, my boss said, we need to go shooting because <laughs> you could be in trouble. So we went out to this uh, shooting range. I came home and I'm in the bottom level of my place and two people got in and um, I heard them and I thought, well, everyone I know is out of town. So I'm thinking this is not good. And so uh, I tried to call 911 on my cell phone and I got the county at that time. It didn't go to your nearest uh, uh, agency. And right. so I fortunately had my gun with me in the bathroom and I'd taken the clip out. So I put the clip in. You know what that sounds like in a quiet house? And they got real quiet upstairs. Oh, yes. And, and uh, I was finally able to get the county to get a hold of the city to send the police out. And they were there within three minutes, and we were in kind of a standoff, but no one shot. And um, they caught one coming out the door. Another one had gotten away, and they found him two blocks away. They were armed to the teeth. They had hollow-point bullets. One guy had a shotgun. Another guy had an AR-15. And 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 I had a thirty eight, <laughs> I had a thirty eight. I wouldn't have stood a chance. And and had no, not been for the police, yeah, the police saved my life that day. Yeah, absolutely saved my life. I think life. it's a what what a tremendous story that you just said. I tell people this: one of the things you'll find on our website is besides making sure and telling your first responders that you support them and know who they are and, and stand with them. Besides contributing to make sure they have proper equipment, I tell people one of the most important things you can do is to make sure you own a firearm and you know how to use it. If you can't protect yourself, you have nobody to protect anybody else. Well, we're make getting sure yeah. that you know how to do that. Michael, we're getting to the point, and I live in a rural area, so the response time is long. And, and, I, and I know right now that uh, I've got to take care of myself because if I depend on the police and I'm not ready, well, they'll get here in time to draw a chalk around my cold, dead body. So um, a lot lot of us out here, we had a guy here that had a break-in from a meth addict, and uh, he held him at bay with a shotgun. It took the the sheriff uh, an hour to get there. And uh, this this was for an attempted shooter. The guy guy had actually threatened to shoot him, and he didn't see the shotgun coming around the corner. So I look at that, and I'm just saying we're kind of on our own now. Now that the police are being defunded, we have personnel shortages, response times are increasing. America has to think about, we got to defend ourselves. And I will tell you this, let me remind the listeners, the criminal element always looks for the easiest way out. Right. Point of, the point that I'm making is, if they think you're armed, or they think you may be armed in your home, it's easier to knock on the guy's house next door where they don't think that's there. They're looking for the easiest way out. That's why we as Americans have got to take our Second Amendment rights seriously, we have to take what's happening to this country seriously. 
we are the only thing left. You know, the last generation was the greatest generation of World War II. My grandfather landed on D-Day. Greatest respect in the world. But I will tell you, at least in the last generation, they could identify the physical element they were fighting. This time, we have to be a generation that has identified the ideology that we're fighting. And we have to be steadfast and make sure that we are committed to carrying it through to regardless of what it takes. You know, you're bringing up a good point about ideology. I've often reflected to McCarthy and McCarthyism that's received a lot of derision. And, and yeah, he was an alcoholic and yeah, he went too far in some areas. But what he'd said about the communist takeover of this government, starting with the State Department, he was 100% right. No question. And like I said, it has been planned for years. If you look at Russian documents, so I call them Russian or Soviet, Soviet documents back in the 1920s, 1930s, their objective was to take over our education system. Give us your educational system, and we won't have to use any force to take you over down the road. They've been very, very productive in doing that. Do you share the view of my friend Richard Mack that um, the last line of defense against this tyranny are, is your county sheriff? I agree. And let me tell you what's so important with that statement that you just made. A sheriff by constitution is the highest law enforcement officer in the county. He usually can only be arrested by the coroner for cause. He is, has the ability to either allow or disallow state law enforcement to come in. He has the ability or disability to allow federal. He is the top law enforcement officer. So he will make the decisions on what is enforced in that county. If we can garner an army of constitutional sheriffs across this country, we will easily prevail. Yeah, well, some of them are cooperative and some of them are not. And, I, and I'm sure you know this too, in states like Washington, they're removing the popular election of sheriffs and trying to turn it into all appointed. They are, which is not what our founding fathers ever had in mind. And the one thing that we have to do we're talking about elections, whether it's a sheriff's election, a congressional election, always follow the source of where their funding is coming from because they're obligated. And uh, if their funding is coming from the left, then regardless of their rhetoric to the right, they're going to perform to the left. Always make sure we remember that. Do you foresee a portion of the military rising up and saying no more? I believe we're having the same thing we're having with law enforcement. We're seeing that now within law enforcement. The division is already coming. And I believe you're going to see the same thing in the military. And here's where I think they made a crucial mistake. We're back on the vaccine. Talking about the leftist. And the leftist purpose behind the vaccine was just had nothing to do with public health. It's strictly a matter of control. If it ever had anything to do with public health, they would have made sure that every illegal was stopped at the border. They would have made sure that everyone... There were no exceptions to the mandate, et cetera. Of course, you know, the White House is exempt. The drug packages are exempt. Illegals are exempt. So it's never been about public safety, about health. It's been about control. And I think the military, and I think law enforcement, I think first responders, and I think the American public are becoming aware of that. And you know, one thing that I can take courage in, this country has never done well about having been told what to do, being controlled. We didn't like it in 1776. We don't like it now. So I think, yes, we're beginning to see segments that are beginning to realize what's going on 
and they're just waiting for the opportunity to make sure they have they can stand with us to break this cycle. We're going to take another break here. Uh, we're speaking with Michael Letts, um, law enforcement first responder, and uh, we're talking about some very serious stuff here in the dire state, straits that America finds itself in. And when we come back, we're going to ask him how bad it has to get for us to regain control of our country. But first, I just want to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, I have witnessed firsthand a city in a drill being taken down. When I first moved to the Phoenix area, I saw that happen. It took 30 minutes. And we know the continuity of government that says if you're suppressing a group that is in rebellion, uncontrollable, or there's food riots, whatever it would be, that they'll encircle the city, they won't enter the city because it's too dangerous, and they'll let it let us fight it out amongst ourselves, but they'll shut off all the communications, and they'll shut down the internet. This is all part of continuity of government. And this is why, you know, I got interested in cell phones. And uh, I represent the satellite phone store here on this show, and uh, I think that everyone should have a satellite phone. Because to me, my worst nightmare is that even though we don't live in the city, I could have family members all through the city doing business. How would we rally if we saw this shutdown take place in 30 minutes? They shut everything down. How would we communicate? The answer is it'd be very, very difficult. You wouldn't be able to establish rally points uh, where you could go to best survive in the short term. And that's why I have a sat phone. Also too, if you're driving in remote areas and your car breaks down and you're in a bad situation, all you have to have is the sky. Cell phones need a lot more than the sky. And this is why I really favor the sat phone. And there's one more reason. People like Steve Quayle, Doug Hagman, Mike Adams, and myself, we produce alerts every day that come across people's sat phones. That would continue as a news agency type of function in a crisis where everything else is shut down. It's hard to shut down the sat phones, really hard. So that's why we want to give you a number to call so you can find out more. And by the way, it's not expensive. People say, Dave, it costs too much. I pay about a fourth the cost for my sat phone as I do my monthly cell phone bill. And you have to know, you can't use it to chit-chat. It's for emergencies, but it's not that expensive. Just give the good people a call at the satellite phone store, 850-980, excuse me, 855-980-5830. That's 855 855- 980-5830 and tell them Dave Hodges of the Common Sense Show sent you. Well, now we come into the $64 million question, Michael, and this is something that I, I fear. I have friends. One is uh, ex-CIA. Another is ex-NSA. One has just left DHS within the last two weeks. And they all say the same thing. It's going to take a bloodbath to get our country back. I don't know if you share that view or not, but I wanted to give you a chance to react to that. Yeah, unfortunately, I do believe there's a lot of merit to that. I'm at the position, I'm still hopeful that it can be avoided. But I will tell you this, we are in the last days of that being accomplished. Either we are able to take it back peacefully as a unified uh, America, or they are going to accomplish our objective, drive us into civil war. And yes, it will be the never man from himself. Well, what if our society continues to adopt the position, the passive position? Let's just lay down and take our beating, and this might pass. In fact, I'll give you this example. Um, I'm, I was raised on my dad's side by a German immigrant, and I had extended family members living with us in our house at various times, and they escaped Hitler. And 
they had very interesting things to say. They thought Hitler was a bore, it was a passing fancy, and that people would eventually outgrow him and move on. And that was a terrible miscalculation by a lot of Germans. I kind of think that people think the same thing about the Biden administration today, that they're underestimating the threat and we're going to lay down and take it. So if that happens, if we lay down and take this, what will be the end result for, say, 80 million people that voted for Trump? We're ultimately going to end up being enslaved, oppressed, without freedom. And quite frankly, I don't know 80 million people who really want to live that way. But that is, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I believe we've miscalculated. And I, I remind your listeners, when we use the word the Biden administration, it's not the current president. He doesn't even know what room he's in. It is the deep state. It is the operatives behind the Biden figure that are continuing to make sure that they accomplish the objective of destroying the last bastion of pre freedom and hope in the world and taking world control and they're very close very very close to completing their objective i believe we have one more opportunity to stand and if it passes us by the world will never be the same i agree i, I look at these protests around the world like austria has basically kept uh, created a segregated cast uh, a cast of people with uh, unvaccinated and they are totally segregated from society and the people are protesting, but they go to public places to protest. I just told a group in Yavapai County whose hospital administrators are going to fire all the non-compliant doctors and nurses. I said, go to their homes. And I said, if their spouses have business interests, go there. Pass out flyers. Let them know what it's like to have them in control. And I said, if they're going to take food off your plate, take food off their plate. In other words, what I'm saying to you by example is that if the people aren't willing to step up their game, we're going to get our backsides handed to us. Well, and that was a statement I had made earlier on your show. We have to be willing to use much more uh, direct tactics and be not be intimidated as we have been in the past. We've been way too nice. And uh, quite frankly, you're, when you talk about Nazi Germany, being nice didn't get us anywhere, did it? No. Uh, not in the least. In fact, it encourages their behavior because they think they've already won your passive and you won't do anything to oppose it. And so we're going to have to do what it takes to whatever level if we're going to win and keep our country. And quite frankly, I'm so glad for shows like yours that are putting out the word, folks, you're going to make a decision. Right now, in my opinion, we have the majority. But if you don't realize where we're at and stand and help me in simple things, as I mentioned, start backing the thin blue line, start backing your first response, start backing your military, getting us prepared for what's coming ahead. That we're gonna, you're right, we're gonna lose and lose worldly. You know, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. I covered this extensively when it happened. It was called Jade Helm 60, and also went by UX, U W E X. And um, it was an Obama operation in the last summer that he was in power. And they practiced, and I'll give you the quote against disaffected ex-American military. And I thought, wow, they're, they're hoping uh, someday there'll be a guerrilla war that they can put down and take total control. That was what I said in 2016. And now that I see 350,000 American military on the verge of being excommunicated from the military, that could be the very group they were practicing for. Have you had any awareness of this or 
given us any thought? I, I have. I've given, you know, I've had awareness of that and awareness of even further things that are going on. As, as again, as I've stressed before I started this show, this is not happenstance. This just didn't wake up one day and it happened to be raining. This has been well orchestrated. It's been planned for decades. And we were in the final stages. And just like, how did we get some of the presidents that we got? Because the funding was provided by those who desired a one world government and who, who desired to destroy our freedoms. And we, as the American people, were too trusted. We bought the slick ads. We elected. And uh, now we're suffering the consequences. But I prayerfully thinking that the American people have realized the mistakes that we have made. And I believe we are trying now to do what we can to salvage it. I do believe it's salvageable as of today. Tomorrow may be a different story. Yeah, but unlike the Who admonished us in their song, we won't get fooled again, we're getting fooled again. I'll give you an example. I've had researcher Susan Bradford on my show, and she uh, is a researcher with incredible credentials. And she traced Glenn Youngkin, the upset winner in Virginia, supposedly the populist candidate that won in Virginia, and he's a Trojan horse. He came out Friday and he said, uh, we're going to keep the vaccine mandates and not challenge them. And when you look into his background, he was a member of the Carlisle group, just like his opponent, Terry McAuliffe. Well, you know, I mean, what you're seeing is... Yes, it's very uh, disturbing and very frustrating, and uh, that's why we're having to make sure that we as the American people get the information that we need, that we do the research that has to be done, because they are so intent on destroying, providing false information, destroying us, that um, we, I believe we owe it to this country to do exactly what you and I are doing today. I'm not saying it won't come without consequence, but I'd much rather fight for what's right than die for what's wrong. I would agree. I think they're going to take us out either way, so you may as well go out fighting on your feet. And I agree. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. Have you written a book? We're in the process. I, 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 I've stiffed on that proposal for quite some time. We just come up with a book uh, that will be out in the next two weeks on first responders. They're asking me to do some other books as well, but uh, I have never wanted to stop and take the time. I've always been wanting to be the kind that presses forward doing something else. I'm physically active. Uh, but yes, to answer your question, there is a book that you can go to our website and you can be able to download on what you can do for our first responders. Mm-hmm. That book is coming out and a, uh, another booklet is coming out on where the country is headed and what we need to do to gain victory. Yeah, when you've got that fully operational um, have your representative contact me. We'll get you back on and talk about that. And again, um, Michael's website, then I encourage you to go and support what he's doing to protect our police who protect us. InvestUSA.org. Michael, interesting stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for being the true American. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you back here next time.